Hello and welcome to another edition of Addition. I'm your host, Adi Adewusi. I'm a product manager at Microsoft, a mathematician, a futurist, tech optimist, artist, and creator. And I'm here every day, Monday through Friday, bringing you the news, the hot topics in tech, an update on the markets, some career advice, and letting you know what I'm geeked out about this week. So before I get into all of the updates and the news, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit the like button. If you're not already subscribed to the channel, Edition with Adi Adabusi, go ahead and subscribe. If you want all these podcasts directly into your email inbox, you can subscribe to the Substack, editionpod.substack.com. You can also listen to the podcasts on any podcast platform. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, I would love if you could leave a five-star review. It really helps make the podcast more visible to others. And you can also follow me on social media. I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Edition with Addy. I'm on TikTok, or sorry, Twitter at Edition Pod or at Addy Adabusi if you want to follow my personal Twitter. And I believe that's all the platforms. You can also send me an email, editionpod at gmail.com. Okay, so let's get into the market updates. So starting with crypto, Bitcoin is at 29,564. It is up 0.57% on the week. And Ethereum is at 1,743, and it is down 0.57% on the week. That's odd how close they are, but um, I think I grabbed these these, uh, stats at a weird time. Okay. Uh, Moving on to the stock markets, the S&P 500 is down 4.57% over the past five days. The NASDAQ is down 5.2% over the past five days. So markets are not in a great place right now. Uh, The inflation report was released this morning, and it shows that inflation has is now at 8.6%, where in the previous report, it was 8.5%. This means that the Federal Reserve is likely going to in- increase or imp- or um, increase the speed that they're rising the interest rates, which has an impact because if interest rates are higher, that incentivizes people to keep more money in cash as opposed to investments. Therefore, things like stock and crypto take a hit. So uncertain times right now. Uh, Let's see where the markets are next week. Okay, moving on to the hot topics in tech. So Apple is entering the buy now, pay later space, which I have discussed a few times on the podcast, and I have linked both of those episodes in the show notes. So this is from CNBC. Apple's latest fintech move has buy now, pay later industry on edge. I quote from the article, the iPhone maker announced plans to launch its own pay later loans on Monday, expanding an array of financial services products, which already includes mobile payments and credit cards. Called Apple Pay Later, the service will allow users to pay for things over four equal installments paid monthly without interest. Apple said it will handle lending and credit checks for Apple Pay Later through an internal subsidiary taking Goldman Sachs, which has previously worked with the firm on its credit card, out of the equation. The move is is a significant step that will give Apple a much bigger role in financial services than it currently plays. So 
So previous edition episodes, I discussed Klarna, which is a a buy now, pay later tool on episode 35, and I was sharing the layoffs that they were doing. And on episode 38, I shared a story about Stripe partnering with a firm to make buy now, pay later services available. So the premise of this article is saying if Apple moves into buy now, pay later, competitors like Affirm and Klarna don't, you know, it's, they don't have a chance because, you know, a lot of people have iPhones and if they could do it automatically through Apple, why would they use something like a Klarna? And I also think it's interesting at this time where markets are down, inflation is high, Apple is probably seeing more of a need for these installment loan services. I know that I would be tempted, right now I'm not tempted to use buy now, pay later because I just don't choose that option. I mainly buy my items through Amazon, which I don't always see a a way to do buy now, pay later. If I, every time I was making a purchase on Apple, so like a subscription to an app, or if I was paying something with Apple Pay and I had the option to pay in four installments, it would be really tempting to do that. So I'm kind of just concerned in general about buy now, pay later. I know I'm a tech optimist, but the fact that they don't do a credit check makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable that people may move, you know, just become indebted to Apple or Klarna or Affirm, especially young people. Uh, Think about the age that people start to use iPhones. That being said, if I put on my tech optimist futurist hat, maybe this type of buy now, pay later is necessary for people to live their lives. And tech companies are just enabling this for them, even though it may not put them in the best financial situation. If they need to order a new lawnmower ASAP, or let me think of something a little bit more critical, like, you know, maybe it's baby formula, things like that, and they can pay with Apple Pay and use installments if they can't afford it, then I guess this is a net positive. So really interesting. It's an area that I'm really fascinated by in tech, uh, the buy now, pay later space. So I will continue to track the story and let you know how it develops. So moving on, more layoffs. So this time it's Stitch Fix. So Stitch Fix shares their shares of stock sync after com- after the company announces layoffs offering weak guidance. And this is from CNBC. So Stitch, Bi- Stitch Fix is laying off 15% of its salaried workers, or about 330 people. The company also issued weak revenue guidance as it contends with weaker consumer demand. Shares of the company fell Thursday to $7.78. A year ago, the stock was trading above $68. Okay, so Stitch Fix, I have used this service before during the beginning of the pandemic when, you know, stores were closed. I thought, you know, let me try Stitch Fix. And at the time, they were in the news because they were essentially getting rid of all of their California staff, or not staff, I guess they have these people called stylists. So if you don't know what Stitch Fix is, you pay $20 a month, they send you a box with five items based on your your style, fashion, and preferences. It, it is 
put together by a, a human, like a human picks the items and they're your stylist. And I'm not sure whether these stylists are full-time employees or if they're part-time or if they're contractors, but they had cut a lot of those people off or laid those people off into their contracts, et cetera. So now I'm hearing that they're laying off 15% of their salaried workers. So it's very clear that Stitch Fix is struggling. I would say I used the service maybe for two, three months and stopped it because I didn't think the the fashion or the styling was up to par. I really liked the idea of it. I wanted it to work, but the the product just wasn't there in terms of the actual clothing items. If you use Stitch Fix, let me know in the comments. What do you think? Have Has the quality gone downhill? Is it getting better? Have prices been going up? Let me know. I want to know what's going on here. Unfortunately, again, we are dealing with people who have abruptly lost their jobs. If you are in a role and or if you are at Stitch Fix and you're losing your position and there are opportunities for you at Microsoft, feel free to reach out to me and I'd be happy to give you a referral. Okay, moving on to more skeptical news. Jay-Z and Jack Dorsey launched a Bitcoin Academy in a public housing complex, and this is from TechCrunch. I quote from the article, the, initial, the initiative aims to provide financial education with an emphasis on Bitcoin as a path to financial freedom, featuring free in-person and online classes taught by Lamar Wilson, who runs content site Black Bitcoin Billionaire, and Naja J. Roberts, founder and CEO of event and education space Crypto Blockchain Plug. The program will run twice per week in late June through September, and program participants will be provided smartphones, MiFi devices, and a one-year data plan. There's even a weekend program aimed toward children. Dorsey and Jay-Z are longtime collaborators and Bitcoin evangelists. Besides working on Title, which Jay-Z sold to Dorsey, the duo deployed a 500 Bitcoin investment together last year with an emphasis on developing the cryptocurrency's popularity in India and Africa. But the Bitcoin Academy is funded via personal grants from the two entrepreneurs. So, end quote. I have so many feelings about this. So, one, I... I used to be a personal finance content creator. Personal finance is a deep embedded passion of mine. And I love the idea of kids learning more about money, saving, investing, and earning. I don't think the Bitcoin Academy is solving that problem specifically. It's basically a way to onboard people onto Bitcoin and encourage people to buy Bitcoin. It is possible that this would work out great for them, but I feel like people living in housing projects, learning about Bitcoin is probably the last thing that they need in terms of financial literacy. There's probably things like understanding credit scores, understanding compound interest and in investing, you know, learning skills to command higher incomes. I would say that's more of a pressing need, but that being said, Jay-Z and Jack Dorsey, you know, that's not what they do. So why would they be the ones responsible for providing that information? So hearing this news, I hope that there are nonprofits or, 
you know, individuals working in these um, government housing, public housing communities, teaching them how, you know, the basics of personal finance to counteract the fact that they're going to be learning about Bitcoin. Like, I really do believe, and yes, I do own Bitcoin, I do hold crypto, but I do see it as a completely speculative investment. And I would not be doing it if I hadn't already got all of my other areas of personal finance intact, where I have now have in with additional extra money, I can experiment with things like Bitcoin and crypto. I see Jay-Z and Jack Dorsey getting a lot of backlash for this. That being said, it could work out and these kids and these low-income people could become millionaires, but who knows? So I don't know. I I think ugh, this makes me feel really uncomfortable. That's my honest reaction. Okay, so moving on, I have an update from an episode 37. I talked about Seth Green basically getting his bored ape stolen from him through a phishing scam, and he had already had a contract for a TV show using that board ape, which being the holder of the NFT gave him rights to use that board ape. And so once that board ape was stolen, he no longer had the rights to the ape and therefore would put the whole show at risk. The update, and this comes from Buzzfeed, is that Seth Green is now has the Seth Green's kidnapped board ape has been returned to him. And I quote, an unnamed wallet likely belonging to Green. It's been used to purchase NFTs that now exist in his public vault, transferred 165 Ether or probably $297,000 to an address operated by an NFT trader to exchange the ape. So basically, his ape was kidnapped, the ransom was $297,000, and now he has his ape back. So he essentially paid for this bored ape twice. So people who say NFTs are dead and are losing their value, this kind of counteracts that. There is a lot of value in the bored ape ecosystem. I I will actually link to my the very first episode I did where I talked about why I am bullish on bored apes and the ape ecosystem in general. So yeah, this is more of just a follow-up on an existing story. Nothing earth-shattering here, but it's been interesting to track this story. Okay, moving on to the career segment. So I bring up this issue because I'm in a Slack with my career coaching program it's not my coaching program. I'm a member. I We all share the same career coach. And she was asking about uh, negotiating a job offer where she knew what the salary range was. And my response to her was to ask for the top of the salary range. And she responded saying that she's she feels uncomfortable asking for that. She's never asked for that amount of money before. And I told her, if you don't believe you deserve it, then whoever is hiring you is definitely not going to believe it. So when you're doing negotiations, a lot of times we rule ourselves out, like we limit our own selves. So 
one, think about how much you actually want to earn and then get very real and honest with yourself and ask yourself if you believe that you deserve it. If you don't believe that you deserve it, whether it's because of imposter syndrome or insecurity, then I recommend practicing asking for that amount with a friend or a career coach to help you get in the practice of saying that because you need to be convincing when you're in these negotiations. And and the way and the reason why I say get honest with yourself is because people and I did a TikTok about this other day. People will say, "Oh, I want a six-figure job. Why am I not being paid for?" And they literally never asked for it. And the reason why they never asked for it is because they didn't truly believe it themselves. So that is my career message today. You only get what you believe you deserve. All right. And what am I geeked out about this week? So if you follow me on TikTok or Instagram, you saw that I did a vlog of my day at the office yesterday. So I went to the office because Microsoft was having an event for the LGBT employee resource group, um, which was basically was a pride event. There was a pride cake, there were a rainbow cake and um, flags and things like that. It was, it was fun. And I documented it on TikTok via blog. So I am geeked out about my improvement in my TikTok skills. So check out the link to my three-part Day in the Life at Microsoft's Atlanta series. Um, I will share the links to the series on TikTok and Instagram in the show notes. Okay, well, happy Friday. I hope you have a great weekend ahead, and I will see you next week. Bye.